Good morning. <clears throat> Welcome once again to Pleasant Valley Church. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Doug Griggs. I'm one of the elders here at Pleasant Valley Church. And as David has already told you, this is not my normal spot on Sunday mornings, but I am happy to be here and looking forward to sharing God's word with you today. So 2024 is here. <clears throat> we blinked our eyes. 2023 kind of came and went. And by, by now, you've no doubt had a chance to think about 2023, to reflect on God's goodness during that year, think about the ways he blessed you, but also to start looking ahead at 2024. So maybe you're one of those resolution people. Maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions. Uh, as we said at the men's breakfast yesterday, maybe you've already broken some of your New Year's resolutions. But certainly you've had a chance to think about 2024. What do you want to accomplish? What are your goals? Last week, Jordan talked about some spiritual goals for the new year. So you've had a chance to think about those things. So this morning, I want to talk about 2024, but I don't want to talk about resolutions or spiritual goals. But there's something else I want to talk about that I think can be significant for us in 2024. So here's the question for you. What are you praying for in 2024? When you think about the people that are closest to you, the people that are on your prayer list, uh, for yourself as well, what are you praying for in 2024? So today we are going to be looking in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, starting in verse 14. We're going to look at one of Paul's prayers. As you know, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote many of the books of the New Testament in the form of letters that he sent to churches and individuals. And we know from those books that Paul was a man of prayer. Many of his prayers are captured in those books. And so today we're going to look at one of those prayers. As you look at Paul's prayers, you start to see some trends in the way that Paul prayed. And one of the trends in Paul's prayers that you see is that he prayed a lot more for our spiritual welfare than he did for our physical welfare. Does that mean we shouldn't pray for people's physical situations and challenges? Of course we should, but there should be a healthy dose of praying for people's spiritual welfare. We're going to see today in Ephesians 3 that Paul did just that. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, Paul was praying for strength for the inner being. And so today, our message is inner strength for 2024. So uh, do we need it? Do we need inner strength for 2024? Uh, the answer, I would say, is a resounding yes. And if I would have asked for a show of hands, some of you, I think, would have quickly put up your hands. Because I know your lives, and some are going into 2024 with really challenging situations, whether they be physical, financial, relationship-type things. But there are hard things going on in your life. And so you would have raised your hand. You would have known, I need that inner strength for 2024. Paul, uh, in Philippians 4, talks about some hardships that he went through. And he gets, in, chapter, in verse 11 of, of chapter 4, he talks about those things. And then he gets down to 13, and he claims that promise. Philippians 4.13, that you and I can claim as well. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. Paul isn't talking about physical strength there. He's talking about strength in the inner being, that uh, uh, through the power of Jesus, we can get through the hardest things that we face. So if that's your situation today, then you would have raised your hand. You know you need inner strength in 2024. But perhaps some of us would have been a little slower to raise our hand, but the reality is every one of us needs inner strength for 2024. If you think about 2023, think about the hardest things that you went through in 2023. And then stop and ask yourself, were those things on my radar at the beginning of 2023? In many cases, they weren't. But what happens is those things kind of come up somewhat unannounced and and, uh, they come quickly. And so we need inner strength for 2023, or for 2024, I should say, for the unknown challenges, the things that will come up in the year. But then we also need inner strength because we want to live a life that is honoring to Christ, right? We want to please him. We want to walk worthy, as the Bible says. And in our own strength, uh, we don't do that, right? We don't do that well. We need his strength to, to be with us day by day, to live a life that is pleasing to him. And then, of course, there is 1 Peter 5, 8. Uh, our adversary, uh, Satan, he has a goal for you in 2024. Uh, he wants to devour you, the Bible says. And yet, uh, we have that verse right after that, verse 9. Resist him, firm in your faith. We need inner strength for the spiritual warfare, the spiritual challenges that we will face in 2024. There is this overarching theme in the Bible. Our God is all-powerful. There's nothing that is too hard for him, the Bible says. And we are weak. We need his power, and it is available to us, but we need to cry out to him for that strength. So that is the focus of this prayer in Ephesians 3. It will be our focus today. So let's go ahead and read the text. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. You see it on the screen there, or you can follow along in your text as well. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this prayer that we find in your word. Father, may we understand our need for inner strength today. Father, I pray that you would uh, change our hearts, speak to our hearts today through your word, that your spirit would move in the lives of many. Father, that we would be transformed by your word today. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so we are in Ephesians 3, but we haven't been in Ephesians on Sunday mornings, so it'll be good for us to go back and get a quick little look at Ephesians 1 and 2 to give us some context. It will be helpful for us today. Uh, so if you look at Ephesians 1, first two verses are kind of introductory, and then we get to uh, verse 3 through 14 of chapter 1, and one of the most beautiful descriptions of the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ is found in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. So if you're here today, and a couple of weeks ago, your socking that you keep in your house at Christmas wasn't very full, um, you need to read Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, because your physical stocking may not have been full, but your spiritual stocking is overflowing. Uh, verse 4, he chose us before the foundation of the world. You didn't choose him. He chose you before you were even born, before the foundation of the world. And verse 5, we were predestined for adoption. Not only did he choose you, he made you part of his family. Verse 7 of chapter 1, we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance. You have an incredible future with God in eternity. And verse 13, that inheritance has been sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. What a, a great description of the beautiful spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And then at the end of chapter 1, he prays. And so we'll talk about that prayer a little bit more in a few minutes. And then we get to chapter 2. So you're going to need another spiritual stocking because the first one is full, but he's about to hit you again with more spiritual blessings. Verse 5, you have been made alive in Christ. You were once dead in your sins and trespasses, but now you are alive. Verse 8 of chapter 2 is nothing you did to deserve it. It was only God's grace uh, that uh, caused you to become alive. And verse 10, we are his workmanship. He is still working on us. Verse 18, we have access to the Father. And verse 22, God dwells in you. So we have another beautiful description of who we are in Christ in Ephesians 2. Then we get to Ephesians 3 at the very beginning, uh, chapter uh, verse 1. He says, for this reason, it looks like he's going to pray again. But then he goes into a discussion about how uh, uh, Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ. And there's some other rich things in those verses. Then he gets to our text in verse 14, and he prays again. Uh, so we see some patterns in Ephesians. We see in chapter 1, these beautiful, the beginning, these beautiful blessings, and then the prayer. And look at verses 17 and 18 of Ephesians 1. He prays that, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul is praying for these believers after he gives them these beautiful theological blessings. He is praying that the rich blessings of God's word combined with the power of the Holy Spirit would be transformational for these believers. He is praying that doctrine combined with God's power would make an enormous difference in the life of these believers. And then 
Uh, he does the same thing. In chapter 2, we see the great spiritual blessings, and then we get to chapter 3, and he prays once again. I love those texts like Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 that remind us of the rich spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. But more than just reading the blessings, God wants so much more for us. He wants those blessings to become transformational. And we do that through his power, through asking the Holy Spirit to come and and reveal that truth, to seal it into our hearts. And so we see that in his prayer in chapter 1, and then we see it again in today's prayer. Paul prays for these believers in chapter 3, verse 14, that their eyes would be opened to the spiritual truths, to who they are in Christ, chapter 2, and that it would be transformational for them. He's bracing his, basing his prayer on God's word. So in our text, verse 14, for this reason, he's looking back at chapter 2, who they are in Christ, because of who they are in Christ, he is praying that God would strengthen them in the inner person, that the truths of Scripture would transform their life. And look at the fervency with which he's praying, on his knees, crying out to the Father. You and I should pray like that for others as well. So uh, I love in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, uh, Paul talks about this idea of the outer man and the inner man. Starts in verses 8, they're on the screen there. Verse 8, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Those are some of the things we feel, right, in our outer being. And then he gets to verse 16, and he uh, kind of summarizes the plight of the outer man like this. Uh, Though our outer self is wasting away. Uh, anybody can identify with the outer self wasting away? I can. Uh, I'll tell you, I can identify with that. Uh, I just turned 63 uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, sometimes I feel more like 103. Um, the, the decline that we're talking about sometimes feels more like a free fall. Um, I don't hear very well. I need to join the uh, Costco hearing aid club that I know many of you are a part of, uh, but I haven't done that. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tracy just said amen, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear it. Uh, I've had vision problems. I've had vision problems, uh, but those are better now because I had cataract surgery a few years ago. Um, my hair, well, I won't even go there, right? It's been this color forever. Uh, and when I come downstairs in the morning, I stand at the top of the stairs and I think, what do I need for the next couple hours? Because I don't want to make that ascent of 14 stairs any more than I have to. But the problem is, uh, once I get downstairs, my memory isn't as good as I used to be. So I forget something that I should have brought with me. So then I go back upstairs, and you guessed it, I can't remember what it was I was going back up there for. And to put the icing on this cake, not this year, but two years ago, in my socking at home, I got a pillbox. <clears throat> and I was happy to have it, right? I needed it. 
uh, the outer man is wasting away. But praise God, there was more to verse 16. Uh, the inner self is being renewed day by day. Praise God that there is uh, renewal for our inner self, that it's somewhat counterintuitive, right? We think that everything is kind of declining, but the Bible says the inner self is being renewed day by day. Uh, thank God for, for that, but it doesn't happen automatically. We need to cry out to God to, to strengthen us and restore us. And so in these next few verses, uh, Paul gives three purposes or results of this inner strength that God supplies. And the first one is that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, verse 17. He is praying for great faith for these believers. So you might be asking yourself, wait a minute, uh, he's praying that Christ would dwell in the heart of believers. Uh, isn't that, uh, you know, doesn't Galatians 2.20 say, uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ in me? So Galatians 2.20 says that Christ is already living in the believer. Why is Paul praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts? So there are two Greek words Paul could have used here for dwell, that word dwell. And the first one is someone that is kind of a, a passerby, almost like a foreigner, you would think. Someone that doesn't reside there regularly, they're kind of out of place residing there. He does use that word in another place in Ephesians 2, but not here. The word that he uses here for dwell is someone who makes their home there, someone who settles down, a welcomed uh, uh, resident, not someone that is kind of just passing through, not one who is making minimal impact, but one who is transforming our hearts. And so this is the idea. And when you think about it, folks, that's what faith is all about, right? It's all about God living in our heart and us relinquishing control and giving it to him, more of him, less of us, giving him control, and yet it is hard for us. It's hard to give up control. It's hard to trust. We like to see and to touch, right, like Thomas. Uh, and faith, faith is just not always like that, right? Sometimes every piece of evidence I can see and I can feel is contrary to God's promises, and so faith becomes so important. Sometimes uh, that, that, that verse, I promise I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'm looking around, and in the middle of my hard time, I'm having trouble seeing him. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust him with all your heart, lean not under your own understanding. And yet sometimes in the middle of my hardship, the way that he is guiding me doesn't seem like the right way. It seems like my way is better. Uh, fear not, for I am with you, and yet Sometimes in the middle of our hardship, that news I just got from the doctor, fear has gripped me, and I have forgotten the promises of God. In our frailty, in our humanness, um, it is easy to get sidetracked from faith and trusting, and we stop, we, we lose track of the promises of God. We start doing it our own way. So Paul cries out for these believers that they would have greater faith, that they, God would 
be making such a difference as he lives in their hearts, as he dwells there as a welcomed resident, that he would be changing their hearts and that their faith would be strengthened. I love uh, John 3, 30, where John the Baptist says, he must increase, I must decrease, right? More of his word, less of my leaning on my own wisdom, right? More of his perfect ways, less of my flawed ways. More trusting in him, less trusting in myself. I remember in my own life a time, it's been many years ago now, uh, I uh, was going through some breathing problems. So I, I would uh, go to the doctor, I'd get breathing treatments and medicine, you get better for a while, then it would get worse, I'd go back again, kind of a cycle that went on for a few months. And uh, one Sunday morning, woke up and the breathing was really bad. Tracy and I decided uh, the emergency room would be a good idea that morning instead of coming here, which is what we would normally do. I expected to go to the emergency room and I expect them to give me a breathing treatment, uh, maybe some medicine, send me on my way. But they took an x-ray to see, uh, to rule out pneumonia and there was a spot on my lung. And then I remember vividly, like it was yesterday, uh, the gentleman wheeling me down for a more detailed picture and asking me the question, have you ever been diagnosed with cancer? Uh, I will tell you, uh, my faith in that minute uh, took a hit, right? It took a hit. And, um, but praise God, he was so faithful during that time. I was uh, scheduled to teach Bible study that morning. Uh, the text was Joshua 1, and uh, many of you know Joshua 1, 9, uh, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That word, but it was also the prayer of many. Many of you were praying for me that day. It was the prayers along with the word of God that gave me the faith to get through that time. We need to cry out to God for greater faith. That he would give us strength to trust his word when we just don't see it, right? When we don't see uh, his promises, when we don't, uh, when, our, when our vision is clouded by the circumstances we're going through, we need greater faith. That his constant presence dwelling in our hearts would become the strength that we need for the challenges of life. Second thing in verses 18 and 19 that he mentions in terms of reasons that we need the strength of the results of this strength is to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He mentions here, there's two things in this text that he wants us to know about the love of Christ. And the first one is how big it is, that it is vast. And he uses four describing words there. Uh, the first one is breadth. When you think of breadth, think of how wide is the love of God. How inclusive is the love of God? Uh, the Bible says this, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you want to know how wide the love of God is, the Bible says whosoever calls on his name. It doesn't matter your race or your nationality or your economic status or your political affiliation. Pharisees, tax collectors, the sinner sitting on the cross next to Jesus Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and cries out for him, the Bible says, whosoever shall be saved. His love is wide. 
And then the next one is length. When you think length, think how far will the love of God extend? Will the love of God extend farther than my worst failure? Um, And the Bible gives us this resounding yes that um, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when he went to that cross, he took our sin to that cross, uh, past sin, present sin, future sins, and he nailed them there. There is nothing that you and I can do that would reach farther than the extent of God's love. He loves you with an incredible love. And then the next one is height. Think about how high, how lofty. Think about the quality of God's love when you think about height. How perfect is God's love? As high as the heavens are above, so great is his love for those who fear him. There is nobody, friends, who loves you like Jesus loves you. His love is perfect. And then when you think of depth, think about the intensity of love. Think about in your own life the people that you love the deepest. Usually those are family members or really close friends that you love deeply. Uh, Our daughter, as you know, our youngest daughter, Emily, uh, just gave birth to twins uh, about a week and a half ago. Pictures available after the service. Um, But, you know, when we heard it was twins, you know, the intensity of thinking about your, your, your daughter who's going to have twins and how that can be complicated sometimes and praying deeply and then the joy when everything goes well and yesterday having a chance to hold those babies again. Um, there is great depth of love in that and yet uh, however deep your deepest love is, uh, the Father loves deeper than that. There is an incredible intensity to his love. So there is nobody that loves with the breadth, length, height, and depth of of our God. And the second thing about this love is it surpasses knowledge. So you and I can read about it, and we should. Uh, As you read the Bible, uh, if you read the Bible very much, you're going to find God's love all over it. And that helps you understand it. And then we experience it as well. And that gives us another level of understanding. But whatever, however you think it is, However big you think the love of God is, uh, you have no idea, and I have no idea. It surpasses anything that we can know, any knowledge that we have. And so when we come to times in our life when we start questioning God's love, we need to not only trust his word, but we need to ask him for strength, strength to know the depth of the love of God. Have you ever found yourself reading texts in the Bible, maybe like Romans 1 and 2, that talk about the ugliness of our sin? And then uh, Satan will kind of start to work on you, and he will start to kind of tell you, there is no way God could love you with all of the things that you've done, with the ugliness of your sin. And so we start to have doubt. We start to wonder, can God really love me in the middle of my sin? And I would just say this to us this morning, if you're here and you're a believer, uh, trust God's word. Ask him to strengthen you to be able to know the depth of his love. He loves you greater than you could ever know. Uh, Believe the words of scripture, but ask him to strengthen you that in your hardest times, you will understand the depth 
of his love for you. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I would just say this to you. The Bible says that God loved you so much that he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He loves you more than you could ever know. There's nothing you can do to earn his love, and yet he loves you. And if you believe in him, if you put your trust in him, if you confess the name of Jesus, the Bible says that whosoever will, his love is wide enough for you. If you are here today and you have never made that decision, I would just ask you this. Don't leave here today without talking to us about it. We would love the opportunity to explain to you the depth of the love of God. There will be people on these pews at the end of service. Dave will tell you more about that later. David or myself, any of these deacons you saw up here, talk to somebody before you leave this morning. So 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, the love of God controls us because of what Jesus has done for us. So here's the question. Does the love of God control you? Can you say that verse with confidence as Paul says it? Um, if it were a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put yourself on that? Um, it wouldn't be 10 in our human state. That isn't possible. And so Paul prays for these believers that they would be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. When you think of rooted, you should think of plants, right? Trees that have deep roots. And I think, of, I can picture uh, hurricanes, when you see hurricanes, and these very strong winds blowing, and these palm trees that are bent over almost to the ground, and yet they're holding on because their roots are deep. When you think of grounded, you think of buildings, right? Remember the old, uh, the song, the Bible verse in the song, the wise man built his house on the rock, and when the, when the, when the storms of life came, the foundation stood firm. We need to ask God to root and ground us in his love so that when the storm of life come, we're like those trees and those buildings that have a strong foundation in the incredible love of God. Third uh, point or third purpose or result of this idea of inner strength, and that is that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 19. Feels like it's almost unachievable, right? The fullness of God. Um, I think there's a progression here would be the first thing that I would tell you. That as we start by asking God uh, to, to take over our lives, submit to the Holy Spirit, asking God to strengthen us, we ask him for greater faith, the kind of faith uh, that where God is dwelling in our hearts, making a difference, changing our lives. And when the hardest things come, by faith, we trust him, and then we, we ask him to show us how deep his love is for us. And we are rooted and grounded in it. As all of that happens, we start to look more and more like Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is on display in our lives, and we ask God to continue to fill us with all the fullness of God. When you think about the attributes of God, and I would say a pretty good definition of the fullness of God is Think about his attributes. Think about every attribute of God. And there are many of them. We would say he is loving and gracious and wise and, and powerful and omnipresent and all of those things, right? Um, and while some of those attributes 
you and I will never possess. We say God is omnipresent, he is everywhere, uh, I will never possess that attribute. But many of the attributes of God, you and I can, they can show through in our life through his power, through the Holy Spirit, the love of Christ, the patience of Christ, the grace and the mercy and the wisdom. Those are all available to us through the Holy Spirit. And that uh, we just need to ask him. We need to cry out for him that he would fill us with all of the fullness of God. We'll never have those attributes to the extent that he has them, but we can, the essence of God can show through us. Remember that old hymn we used to sing, Let Others See Jesus in You? Some of you probably remember it. Um, that's, the key, that's, the, that's the goal here. Right? The goal is that we would be so full of the, uh, so filled with the fullness of God that others would see it in us. The Bible says that we are Christ's ambassadors. Our words should reflect his words. We should be speaking his truth. Our actions should be consistent with his actions. We should be doing the things he did. Our desires, our very heart, should be the heart of God. We should have his heart. Um, we should be, our lives should be so empowered by the Holy Spirit that others see his radiance in us. We need his strength to make that happen. All right, so as Jordan likes to say, it's time to land this plane. Um, and so we're going to do that with the last two verses, verses 20 and 21. Perhaps all this seems a little overwhelming. Can I really have faith that will, go, that will uh, uh, help me through my hardest times? Um, can I really know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? Sounds like one of those oxymorons, right? How can I know something that surpasses knowledge? The fullness of God, can I really, uh, can the essence of God really show, can really people really see uh, God in me? Uh, the answer is, in your own power, uh, no, right? In your own power, it can't happen. But the Bible says in verse 20, our God is able. Able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we ask or think. Has he ever done that in your life? Has he ever done far more than you ever asked or thought? Um, I know this. Uh, I know many of your stories, and the answer is yes. I believe if we opened up a microphone here and asked you to come forward and tell me your 2023 stories, I think the plane would have to circle a few times, because I think there are a lot of people who have those stories that they can share with us. I know some of them, right? I know about uh, a person that was on our prayer list for four months with lymphoma, and it's gone, right? Healed. I know about another individual uh, that's part of our church that asked in the middle of a business meeting for the power of God to be on full display, and after the meeting, uh, the words that he said were, God did more than I could have ever asked or thought. We've seen it in these baptismal waters. We have seen uh, people who God has changed their life. They came out of really hard situations, and through the power of God, their lives were changed. That power that did all those things is available to us every day, every minute, and whether we know it or not, we need it. We need to cry out that power for, to God to give us that kind of inner strength 
for 2024 so that we can live a life pleasing to him. And as the challenges of life come, we are holding on to him. It is his strength that we are living by and not our own. And then verse 21, he gets the glory, right? All of this is for his glory. As we cry out to him, as we ask him to give us strength for 2024, for the challenges that we face. And as he does even more than we ask for, far more abundantly, the Bible says he gets glory. Look at the verse. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. In the church, it's us, folks. God can get glory through your life if you will cry out to him to strengthen you, to get through the hardest times. His essence will show through you, and you and I can give him glory. So how about it in 2024? Will you, give, will you cry out to God to give you inner strength for 2024? Will you ask him to increase your faith, to give you great faith, to trust his word, to strengthen you to trust his word? Will you ask him to show you the love of Christ, how much, how deep and wide and high and, and, and long it is? Will you, will you ask him to root and ground you in the love of Christ? Will you ask him to fill you with all the fullness of God so that the essence of God would show through? Our God is able. To him be all the glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. And Father, we thank you for your incredible love for us. God, that you are all-powerful. And we thank you that you have given us strength in the inner person. Help us, God, to cry out to you. Help us to depend more and more on you. Help us to not do it in our own power, but help us to do it through your strength. Greater faith. God, would you strengthen our faith in 2024? Would you strengthen us to know the love of Christ? And would you strengthen us so that all the fullness of God, we would be filled with it. Others would see Jesus in us. Father, we want to glorify you in this, and we know that you are the God who is able. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.